This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. This is Jeremy Roberts on behalf of Hawke's Bay Poetry Live, a program broadcast on Wednesday afternoons at 2pm. You can listen on 104.7 FM or 1431am. You can also go to the website and click Schedule or Programs and Play or Download to listen. My guest today is Karen Leslie. And I'm going to let Karen say a couple of uh, things about herself as a way of introduction. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Uh, Yeah, my name's Karen Leslie. I'm a poet, a comedian, a show producer, and um, mum and child and all the other things with it. I've been in Hawke's Bay since uh, 19... Well, just on 2000 I moved down here, so 22 years. Raised my son here and uh, ended up getting involved in stand-up comedy and running the open mic comedy show. I've since passed that on to one of the other comics so I can concentrate on running pro comedy shows. And then I got uh, back into poetry after a long, long gap, and I've just been loving the uh, Common Poet Society. Mm. Oh, great. Um, So, yes, you've identified as a comedian and a poet. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, do these two genres of writing share the same place in your mind? Not at all. Um, very interesting for me and you've got to be aware that with both poets and comedians if you put three of them in a room you're going to have five opinions (laughs) (laughs) Um, for me poetry is more personal things um, more expressing how I feel whereas comedy is more of a um, a fun thing that we can all play together Ah, is it more? Is is comedy more of an observation about about what's going on out there? It can be. <laughs> uh, comedy can also be self-deprecating. Mm. It can be anything to anybody, and I don't think anybody's got a corner on what's real comedy any more than there's one true kind of poetry. Yeah, I mean, there's no rules really, other, other than a few. Um, pretty ancient ones i suppose and it's pretty pretty broad um look i look really looking forward to talking Mm. with you karen about these things um what was it though that turned you on to writing comedy Mm. or poetry um what turned me on to writing my mum tells the story of when i was about three years old and i used to fill up they'd buy me these cheap drawing books just blank newsprint paper and I would fill one of these books up with just lines and lines of scribble and mum would say you know what have you done there and I said well I've written a story and I would follow along with the lines of scribble with a Mm. finger and read her the story I had written and she said it was amazing I knew everything that happened and follow along and I just think I've always enjoyed telling stories 
Oh, good on you. At three, so they weren't you weren't writing words on the page yet, no. but you could orally. I um, could tell put a story. Yeah, and I was very good at um, like I can just remember this, and I can remember the the cold sweat coming out on my forehead as I tried to remember what the story was, but I was good at faking. Uh, ah. and conflating and making it sound like I knew what I was talking about. Um, but, yes, I've always enjoyed... I think it's part of being seen being, <coughs> and being heard. And comics and poets and mm. all creative people seem to have an intense need to be seen and to be heard. Mm, that's an interesting way, way of looking at it. Um, mm. So you're obviously a great improviser. You, you were at a young I age. I was at three. <laughs> yeah. I struggle more now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, that, that word improvise takes on a whole a whole meaning when you think about adult audiences, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, okay, well, look, we, we've just touched the surface, I think, mm-hmm. but um, I'll, I'll save... I've got a little question here, but mm-hmm. why don't you read a poem? Or if, okay. if I say to you throughout our interview, read a poem or a... Or a a comedy, a comedy piece. It's entirely up to you, Karen. Well, I won't be doing the comedy pieces because you're not paying me. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'm a semi-pro comedian and I take that seriously. Okay. No, fair enough. Good. <laughs> okay, well, I'll read a poem and I will read a funny poem. Uh, it's one I wrote for my birthday this year. Mm. It's called On Turning 57. Leave the tea bag in the cup, dear. Let it think about what it's done. Though it's a short-term rental these days, what with the state of my bum. I'm a martyr to my feet, my love. Just trouble and parting and some. Verrucas and strains, neuromas and pains. I'd chop them off to go for a run. I'd lost a bit of weight just lately, and I thought it was cancer, of course. It turned out to be just a faulty machine. I ate three cakes in relief, then a fourth. I thought I'd bounce back in my 30s, get myself fit through sport and play. I didn't shrink in so much as deflate, half orangutan, half charpay. My memory's something, I forget. My, I'd think I was going insane. Still a nice cup of tea will set me up nice. And you know, one mustn't complain. <laughs> I was I was going to laugh out loud several <laughs> times during that. Um, some wonderful images. Mm. Um, <clears throat> gosh, so what is it that is in you? Why do you want to make people laugh? Because it's fun. Um, honestly, the older I get, the less I worry about what people think of me, and the more I just want to enjoy life. And the first time I did stand up, I got a laugh. Mm. And just and I was I was reading an article today. Leslie Jones is a an American comedian, and she's come over to New Zealand and she's doing some work here. But she was saying the same thing. Uh, there was like the first time she stood in front of a microphone and got that reaction from an audience. She just knew this was what she had to spend the le- rest of her life doing. And to a certain extent, I got that from poetry. But to mm. a much greater extent. When the first time I did stand up, it was like a heroin shot to the jugular, mm. and I still like I gave it up for eighteen years mm-hmm. uh, when I had my son. 
But coming back to it, it was that same feeling. Wow. So is comedy your first love? Can I put you on the spot? No. They're all my first love. Um, Mm -hmm. A friend of mine told me back in the 1980s, he said, you're never going to get a boyfriend while you're so in love with the English language. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting one. That reminds me of an old poet who grumbled about still being single in his 70s, and he, Mm. he said... Yeah, you know, I was writing poems. There was always a mistress in the house. <laughs> yes. yes, that's exactly the muse. The, the muse, muse that's the one. Yeah. Um, Karen, do you think that comedy often comes from a dark place? I think comedy and poetry and all art come from the same place. They come from okay. life experience and they come from a desire to connect. And, mm. yeah, you know, I look back at my, I suppose you'd call it juvenilia if you were being posh, mm. and it's very, very well-meaning, very, I thought I was being very deep. Mm. And like I say, the older I get, like Picasso said, it takes a long time to become a child. <clears throat> and yeah. the more I play, the more I enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, what that old Bob Dylan song, I was so much... I'm older then. I'm younger than that now. That's right, yeah. Um, Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Uh, The the same place. Well, that that sort of makes sense. Mm. Creatively, if something's moving you, you might get a joke out of it or you might might not, but you could still write a poem. Some poems are pretty damn dark, aren't they? they? Some poems are pretty damn dark. I wrote something down a wee while ago. Yeah. Um... Yes. Hmm. Well, you, something happens and you think to yourself, hmm, that's too dark for comedy and not detailed enough for my therapist. It hits that uncan- uncanny valley in between. I'll write a poem. Oh, that's very interesting. Too dark Too dark for comedy. I mean, that's a whole... You can spend an hour talking about what's permissible now and what's how, how the, um, the whole comedy... Um, Industry has changed around social mores and it has with the the Me Too movement. Mm. The thing I've noticed, um, it's a lot happier. The like going back to the nineties when I first started doing comedy, and then the difference now is that it's more of a community feeling amongst comedians, and it's very mutually supportive. And it wasn't unsupportive back mm. in the 90s but it was more about raw young men trying to build an industry and now it's about making a career for an, more people Ah, right um, but as competitive as it always was, do you think? Um, it, it must be competitive I mean, po- the poetry world can be competitive at it times It can, yes, again Three comedians, five opinions. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of competitions around all over the country. Raw comedy, of course, is the national competition. And I won a co-winner of the regional finals back in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never got to the districts. Um, so 
I won a very minor competition by the the time the next year rolled around. I was ineligible because I had done too many paid gigs. So the competition is just to get you seen. It's not about winning. Yeah, I suppose the other side, yes, competitive, it it can literally mean a competition. Mm. But I also thought um, competitive in that um, you might become more popular Mm. or my jokes are better than your jokes or I've been doing this longer than you have, any of that sort of stuff? There there can be, but like I say, most of it is just incredibly supportive Mm. because I think... Comedians are very much aware, more so than poetry, I think. Comedians are putting on a show for the public and their greatest indicator of success is how much the public is enjoying it. Sure. With poetry, if you do a a funny poem, people can think it's clever without laughing. Mm, absolutely. If, if, if in comedy, yeah. if you do a gag and no one laughs, it's a fail. It's a so that's a fail. fail. Whereas a, a deathly silence in a room of poetry is can be, be can, can be a wonderful thing. <laughs> yes, it can be deep thought and appreciation. That's right. Um, that's interesting. So would you agree that there is a, 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 often a very thin line between poetry and comedy? There can be, yep. <clears throat> uh, there's an awful lot of overlap um, like with the rhythmic nature of both art forms, they're both based on language and a rhythmic use of language. Um, the rhythm of stand-up comedy is different to poetry, but it's still very definite. And if you get that rhythm a half beat off, it can make or break a joke. Oh, the old thing about timing. Yes. But they used to go on about timing. Even when I was a kid, oh, you know, Bob Hope, he's really good. He's got brilliant timing. I, I don't think I ever really understood that, to be honest. I mean, I remember people like Jerry Seinfeld became mm. phenomenally popular. Um, oh, what's her name? Um, from the purple, colour of purple. Um, um, yep. Yeah, um, uh, I know who you mean. Oh, no. And she was in the one with the the comedy about the nuns. Yes, yes. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. Fantastic comedian. And and again, timing. uh, Her timing is brilliant. And timing may not be the pauses between the words. Timing can be anything. Like one of the tricks I've learnt from better comedians than I am is that when you say your punchline, you freeze your expression to give the audience time to absorb what you've said and react. And if you carry on, like if you just say your joke and then say the next thing in a normal conversational manner, the audience um, doesn't have time to react, and we call that stepping on your punchline. Oh yeah, so an indicator. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's yeah, and and the audience would get that. They'd get to oh, this is how this person is presenting or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's many famous comedians in New Zealand and, mm. and um, Aotearoa, aren't there? And um, from Billy T. James, I mean, there's dozens of names, aren't there? Male mm. and female. Yep. Um, do you think to d- in today's world um, there is about a 50-50 representation of both sexes? Uh, there, there is sort of overall. Um, I'd love to have more women and um, more rainbow 
people uh, involved yep. in comedy. We've got a few at the moment. Yep. Um, my son is transgender and mm-hmm. he's always good for a laugh. Yep. Um, not because of the transgender, as well as. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's always good. I used to, a couple of years ago, I was at a festival and I just got up on stage. I looked at the lineup, got up on stage and said, you know, when I started comedy back in the 90s, I'd ask people if they, at work if they'd come along and support me and they'd say, oh, God, it's going to be half a dozen skinny white guys talking about how they can't get laid. And I'd have to say, and me. And things have changed so much now. We're yeah. not skinny anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's, um, that's very interesting because in, in the poetry world, of course, it, it was very sexist back in the day in terms of publishing mm. and, and who the important poets were. When I was at uni, we, we couldn't even, we, there were no papers on, on um, female poets. Um, mm. I remember one year, other than Sylvia Plath, I mean, yeah. she, she deserved her place, but she was American, you know. Yeah. Um, so the poetry world, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of, I mean, I do focus primarily on poetry, I have to admit, but I do, I do love comedy. Yeah. And I'm aware, I, I, I seem to see um, female comedians all over the place. Yep. Yeah, but, um, like running my show up at Peak Comedy, part right. of my um, funding draft is that it's inclusive. Okay. So I'm always trying to you know include people from different cultures, people of different genders, people of you know all sorts of people, mm. people with different so- sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. The um, gay comics we've had have been adored up here and we've had all sorts of people we've had someone who works as a stripper she came up and did stand up and they absolutely adored her because she was funny and it brings it's a safe way for people to explore different lifestyles um through Mm -hmm. comedy because it's non-threatening um they come they might be coming there to laugh at the comic but they'll end up laughing with them uh because we're all people, and that's where the comedy lies, is the commonality of people. Mm. If you don't understand it, you're less likely to laugh at it. True. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about another poem, Karen? Oh, all right. Um, I will do an old one. This is from back in the 80s when I was working at uh, New Zealand Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries. Ah, and I went out on some research trips. Um, I might do two. Yeah, you go for it. Okay. Um, right, hang on. Here we go. Sunrise over my right shoulder. It's almost dawn. The sun not yet risen. Waves are still gentle-backed and topped with silver. Our lights turn the milky green to shatter and foam on our hull. Softly. This is a dawn of primitive hue, of time or reason. This is a dawn of terrifying beauty, of monsters or madness, anything to break this calm waiting. But the small gulls still clip the waves with the merest wingtip, and even the wind has stilled itself. Sunrise is gold over my right shoulder, over my right shoulder. Home is ahead. Just for a moment we are headed home. 
Oh, I want to be there. That's lovely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Where did you write that, can I ask? Um, I would have written that uh, on one of the research vessels out on the Chatham Rise. Oh, okay. And okay. would be out at sea for a month uh, doing six-hour mm. on, six-hour off shifts or 12 hours on, 12 hours off. And mm. I was usually on um, what they called the dog shift, which was midnight till 12. Right. So we would get... Um, dinner of um, cornflakes and <laughs> because the chefs would just prepare for the main bulk of the crew it was hard um, wow. it was fantastic um, and this little snippet of a poem mm-hmm. is the other half of it Okay. I wasn't supposed to see it any of those times the contempt, the anger the hatred and that made it worse that they could smile right at me. Mm. Mm. That's very. Those are very intriguing lines. Mm. Yes, because uh, it was a very, very male-dominated area. I was one of the first women researchers to go out, mm. and um, one of the ships I was on, they, um, they employed their first ever female crew member on board the ship for, uh, after one of my trips there. And it was a very interesting time to be part of that, uh, very much part of the unreformed, unwoke times. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's... Gosh. So you, you were a bit of a groundbreaker. Um, what, so what were you trained as to take... Um, now, I just got into that job through word of mouth, a mm-hmm. friend of mine, but that led to, after that job, I ended up qualifying as a meat inspector. So I was working in the abattoirs for oh, a couple of years. Wow. And I believe I was the first woman to qualify on the beef board in New Zealand as as a meat inspector. And what region was that? That was down in Wellington. And at that oh. time I was doing pub poetry down in Wellington. Oh, I see. Interesting. They had that fantastic um, uh, meat, Hawke's Bay meat industry exhibition at the um, mm-hmm. museum. Some incredible footage. Um, so, yeah, well, it's a, I mean, that's a long way from your life now, but that's yeah. how life goes, isn't it? It certainly <laughs> is. Mainly I've done office work, but the work stories are not nearly as good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the unwoke world. Well... Some great enduring art was created during that era. Mm-hmm. Some has been discarded for obvious reasons, but um, it's very interesting, isn't it? Like the Bill Bill Cosby thing. He yes. they've recently made a documentary. I haven't seen it yet, but we we have to talk about Bill Cosby mm-hmm. because he was regarded as a comedic genius and did mm-hmm. everything. Um, and he was such an influence, but then he got kind of cancelled. Yeah. But it's interesting. People still want to talk about his work, but through a different lens. So is, are there any figures like that in New Zealand in comedy, do you think, that have been cancelled? Um, I don't know about cancelled. Some of them have faced consequences for their actions. Yeah. And I think that's like... I don't believe in cancelling somebody, but mm. I don't believe in whitewashing 
any past misdemeanors. They should be weighed yeah. equally. Yeah. And like with so many authors, male and female, so many comics, so many artists of any stripe that I might really admire. I mm. could remember as a teenager absolutely, absolutely adoring uh, Marion Zimmer Bradley's books. Uh, she wrote a lot about Arthurian, Arthurian mm. legends. Right. And then I found out that years and years later that she was involved with some highly questionable actions by her husband. Okay. She tended to enable his bad right. behaviour okay. and defend his bad behaviour. And every time I read, like, even think about those books now, that's the first thing I think yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. And... I'm not trying to cancel her. I don't think she needs to be punished by me or whatever's happened to mm. her. I'm not responsible for what happens to her next, but for my own choice. It's like I don't enjoy Mel Gibson movies anymore. Yeah. Because whenever I see his face, I hear those recordings mm. that were made of mm. him speaking to his wife at the time and a police officer just doing their duty. People who, yeah, I have had to face harsh consequences for my actions, which I thought were innocent at the time. Mm -hmm. I think these are just what, this is life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, 21st century sort of kicked in. It took a while to kick in, didn't it? But It's but still going. It's still and going. It will carry on going. Yeah. You, you mentioned, Karen, previously, mm -hmm. um, you know, starting to, to read, um, well, I, I imagine you, you read poetry. What, when, when did you first read poetry in public? In public, it would have been at Trekkers Bar up in Upper uh, Cuba Street in ah, Wellington okay. around the 1990s. Right, okay. And then you were talking previously about the first time you um, performed poetry live and, and, mm. and got a laugh. I just wanted to explore that. That whole thing, it, it really is something isn't it to stand up mm -hmm. and um I, I would even i would even suggest that it might be more of more nerve-wracking to mm -hmm. to say i'm a comedian than it is to read a poem at an open mic absolutely because as you say it's it's about audible laughter <laughs> and if the house is silent <laughs> um yes. what do you yeah so Tell me, what what is that? You touched on that drive to, what did you say about performing, the desire to be seen in public and to present your work? Not necessarily um, in public, to be seen and to be heard. Oh, okay. Uh, our core values for right. humanity. Yeah. Um, to be valued uh, in some way. I have had many, many a death on stage at comedy and... The only difference between a successful comic and an unsuccessful comic is that the, the successful comic keeps getting back on stage and trying again. Mm. And that is the only, only difference. Um, because you have to, you learn more from a bad gig than you do from a good gig. Ah, okay. I would say comedy the reasons why comedy are, is harder to do is not just because you need that reaction, but also you can't be reading out a comedy line. If you're reading out a gag, the audience won't laugh because they're too busy listening. 
to the story written down rather than processing what you're saying. I'm, I'm not being clear, but with comedy, you have to write it down, edit it for months usually mm-hmm. to get it down to just the barest words in the right order at the right pacing, yeah. and then you practice and practice it until it sounds like you're making it up on the spot. Ah, yeah, okay, okay. Do um, other comedians now who just tell jokes or do you know what I mean or is it more sort of story observational sort of stuff do you know what I mean by that like yeah, I, um, I, why did the chicken cross the road do, does anyone actually do that sort of material currently some people do some people do yeah some people make a living out of just rehashing old corny jokes all right I um, used an old joke I heard uh, for quite a while I was using it uh, as an introduction to gags about my son being transgender. Um, I think it's pretty much out of copyright now, so you'll forgive me if I repeat it. How can you tell when you're being chased by a gay shark? Da-da, 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 da-da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that reminds me of another old joke that used to be in the 80s. Mm. Yeah, which I won't. I won't do because no. it's, this is this is. Um, <laughs> we're in joke, a woke era. Yeah, <laughs> and see that joke yes. is quite. It's it's not actually punching down. It's not saying no. that being gay is a bad thing or anything, but it's borderline. Um, yeah. In comedy, yes. I will finish that with. I told that joke to my transgender son. He laughed like a drain, and then gave me a twenty-minute lecture on LGBTQIA plus issues and why that joke is not funny. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Now that's a very, it's a very, very interesting area of discussion, isn't it? Mm. How you edit, edit your work and say, okay, no, I think that's really funny, but if mm. I do it, I'm going to. Yeah. I have Pun- to. Punching down is yeah. a big thing. Uh, Rasheen Fitzgerald, who runs yes. the Common Poets, she does a fantastic little introduction at the beginning of every mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. that they don't do hate speech, they mm. don't do punching down. It's a safe place. Yeah. And comedy is like that too. You can get away with one or two jokes at someone else's expense, but if um, the audience starts to feel that you're just being mean, they will turn on you. And yeah, yeah and again, it's about getting those laughs. You can walk into a room full of Labour supporters and do an entire routine on um, their response to, to COVID. If you do the same thing in front of a, a national voting audience, you mm. won't get the same response. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, very sensitive issues. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, well, how, you've sort of touched on it a wee bit, I suppose, but how do, how do you go about writing uh, a poem or, you know, like... Are you a notebook person, cell phone person, or do you you you? I, from what you said, I, I think maybe you do draft and and, and rework things to get it uh, how you want. I have notebooks coming out my ears. I run a, a comedy notebook, a poetry notebook, uh, ideas for radio shows notebook, and a what I'm supposed to be doing now instead of whatever I'm doing notebook. Um, but. I would say about 50% of the jokes that I'm writing now are just ideas and observations I've made and they will swim around my brain for three months. 
and now I can spit out something that's almost finished and it's the with the poetry it's a little more some of them write themselves I'll read one for you that Mm -hmm. I don't think I changed more than half a dozen words from beginning to final version okay and um, yeah I'll read that and then I'll read you one that's taken me months um, because it's funny so it took months to get the comedy aspect of it okay so the first one is called Grievous we are made of star stuff I wear the constellations on my skin the orbits of the galaxies are echoed deep within you were a star you were the sun Ursa Major, Major Fun. Moving through the vacuum of empty-minded others who said they were our brothers but didn't understand what we knew out of hand, that planets align on regular paths, years may pass, yet gravity returns to its past. We were easy in our travels. I was easy in your bed. No agony of mistrust to echo in my head. My sexy man, my bit of rough, I miss you still, returned to dust. Hmm, I've, I've heard you read that at mm. Common Poets. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. Yeah. Yeah. And it's heartfelt and it mm. describes probably one of the most important relationships in my life. Yeah. Um, and it just quite honestly wrote itself. Hmm, just, just came out. Yeah. Um, oh, did you say you had another one? Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, and this one is, um, I overheard... The first line, it was an overheard fragment and it just resonated with me so strongly. And this poem has taken, like, the first verse was easy and then it took a few months for the second verse to come in and then the, the final verse uh, is really just just arrived within the last month or so. Mm. Um, and it's called um, The Solo Mother's Lament. He wasn't quite divorced, it seems, and not quite sterile either. And that, my darling boy, is why we do not see your father. He never sent a birthday card. He never made a fuss. He never paid his child support. That's why he's dead to us. I put in all the hard yards while he got off scot-free. That's why next year on Father's Day, the gifts should come to me. (laughs) Wow, yeah, I mean, okay, a few words and very, a, a, a lot of content. Yes. And, and, you know, a lot of connections for a, a listener or a reader to make. Yep. And being able to relate to. I think that poem is getting the strongest reaction from people, just so many women are seeing themselves in that. Mm. And it's mm. not anger at the ex it's just the lack of recognition for the extra work they've had to do yeah yeah ain't that the truth eh um and and to be completely fair for the two percent of men in the country who are raising their children they they can identify with this poem too i give you my full permission this is for you too darling boys ah um fair enough um so you you're obviously a good observer, I would say, of people. Thank you. Do you uh, and you do overhear somebody say something and think, that's, gosh, that's a good line. Or yeah. as um, the poet um, Duncan, uh, Duncan Bowles likes to say, um, 
he, he thinks he's heard what they said, but he, he realises, as he writes it down, that he's misheard them. Yes. And that's be- a slightly misheard line can be better than a straight... Absolutely. ...clarity, you know. Mm. Uh, I suppose it plays well into poetry, but we're, in comedy you don't want to be obscure, do you? Like, No, comedy is about that clarity of yeah. message, where poetry you can dress things up and make them sound pretty. Comedy, you've basically got one sentence to set up the gag um, or to to establish the story, and you've got one sentence to set up the joke, and then you've got the punchline. And so it needs to, and that has improved my poetry, I think, no end, Mm. that um, it's about concentrating information and getting it across clearly. Yeah. So are your poems of the shorter variety, you know? Most of them tend to be, yeah. I I know I can remember hearing, they used to call them shaggy dog stories, and they'd Mm. go for ten minutes, and then there'd finally be a laugh at the end. Yep. I can remember what that's still... Is that still happening today? I do. It much? can be. Yeah. Um, some performers, I'm thinking Neil Thornton um, specifically, will tell us, and Ryan McGee and a lot of the comics, can tell a story in such a way that there are sort of a series of mini gags. Right, okay. So the, the setup might have a small punchline, and then there's a lot of stories that are, a lot of jokes that go together to build a story and yeah. if you look back like I can remember watching the two Ronnies um, yep. and Ronnie Corbett used to do the long shaggy dog story he'd be sitting in his armchair and I hated them oh. <laughs> I was absolutely in love with Ronnie Barker's yep. word play and you know, yep. the, the puns and things like that but looking back now I can see the, the skill and value and what what Ronnie Corbett was doing. Okay. Um, you need to be very, very good to make that punchline pay off the investment of time. I don't have that skill. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, no, I can see that, isn't it? Because hmm. it's like the audience is thinking, okay, okay, I'm, I've given you all this time. I'm listening really closely. This better be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been in audiences where you can feel that feeling in the audience that yeah. the payoff had better be worth this. And mm. sometimes it is, but it's a, a very, very tricky thing to pull off. Has anyone ever done a study on the psychology of comedy audiences? It would be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, you've sort of been talking about it a lot today, but... Yep. But it would be a fascinating thing, wouldn't it? The, the you oh, know, it would give insight. Yeah. Um, I suppose, I suppose, astute comedians are highly aware of it. Of course, mm. <laughs> I think a lot of them are instinctively aware of it rather mm. than being consciously. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which may I ask, which poets or comedians do you admire the most from? Aotearoa or overseas, Um, modern times, old times? Old times. I grew up, I cut my teeth on, as I said, the two Ronnies, um, Dick Emery and Dave um, 
Dave Allen was a fantastic... Right, he, Dave And Allen. he was one of those storytelling raconteurs that yeah. could keep you entertained for that 10 minutes, and the payoff was always worth it. Mm. Um, for poets, I grew up with Pam Ayers, of course. Yep. We had yep. the books. I've still got some of them memorised. Mm. Um, not the entire books, just some of the poems. Still going, I think. She is, yep. yeah. Um, but and also, like... In the 90s, when the young ones came out, Rick Mayle, right. as Rick, the, the people's poet, he was the one, I always see him in my head when I start to take myself too seriously. Um, but yeah. it's just comedy, and even apart from the comedy, it's my opinion about this one thing. It matters not a jot, as Billy Connolly was, often says, it, it, what I'm doing, um, I enjoy it. If other people enjoy it, that's fantastic. But it's not going to feed anyone or change the world. Um, mm, interesting. Mm. Well, I mean, he's like a Kiwi son almost, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, had an incre- incredible career. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there, there are hundreds of mm. comedians that have, ma- have found international fame, aren't there? Yep. And, and hundreds and hundreds. Plenty. Of, mm. We had a fantastic experience uh, at the last open mic comedy at the common room. Right. Uh, Clark Gayford was in the audience. Oh, was he? Yes. <clears throat> and, of course, we all tried to do a few digs at him and yeah. took it like an absolute champion, was just really cool about it. Improvising. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I was on last, so I had the most time to research him. And oh, it. yeah. But well, that's uh, a skill, isn't it? That's, yeah. yeah. But after we finished, Clark got up on stage and did a tight six-minute set that just blew us out of the water. And when I looked again at my research, he has done public speaking mm. um, as a career. And so, of course, he's better at it than us amateurs and semi-pros. But he was brilliant, absolutely oh, brilliant. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, no, that, that's that's great. I mean, um, yeah. So, uh, do you read? That's what that's the question I was trying to remember. Yeah. Do you read? You read um, poetry? Do you? Read, com- how does one read? Mm. Read comedy. Um, I read Terry Pratchett, Neil oh, Gaiman. Okay. Um, I read some poets, not a lot of poetry, uh, mm-hmm. to be fair. Um, but I always have collections. Like I've got the collection. I had the collection of New Zealand comic and curious verse. I had. Uh, I've always had collections of poetry, like Pam Ears. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like that, my collection of New Zealand comic and curious verse had the lyrics to one of the front lawn songs. Oh yeah, and of course uh, it was um, oh famous comic in Wellington, based in Pawatahanui. Sam, Sam, was it Sam? Poet. Yes. Sam Hunt. Uh, Sam Hunt. Oh, yeah. No, that's no, the first one. Yeah. popped into my head straight away, but I thought it may be some, some, another Sam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Sam Hunt said that poetry really suffered when um, musicians, well, when people realised that it was easier to write song lyrics and get paid than it was to be oh. a poet. And 
yeah. it's quite right. I mean, I would call myself a comic more than a poet because comedy pays me. Right? Ah, okay. And okay. it has it has given me more opportunities. Um, just right. for expanding what I do. Sure. Uh, comedy can lead to acting, can lead to presenting, can lead yes. to a lot of things that poetry just doesn't have that pull for. Uh, no, you're quite right. I mean, we, we do lean towards... I used to be, be a visual artist as well, but mm. I, I realised I was getting more traction yeah. with poetry, and so I kind of... Yeah, yeah. But see, it can go the other way. Um, A lot of, um, well, Jim Carrey is a fantastic uh, visual artist, and that's how he centers himself and calms down Mm. from the manic energy of comedy. Okay. Yeah, well, those guys, um, Robin Williams, Mm -hmm. a comic comedic genius, I I would have said. Yeah. what, do you agree? Do, do, oh, I think he was. Yeah. yeah. I I actually appreciated his serious acting more than I appreciated his comedy. Okay, yeah. But, you know, at, <clears throat> at 12, 13, I was seriously in love with Mork from Mork because yeah. it was fantastic chaos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think poetry or comedy can educate, influence, or change the way people think? It can do, but I think it's you. I think you'd be pushing very hard against the current to go into something with the intent of changing or educating. Yeah, okay. or Comedy, especially, is about entertaining. If they learn something along the way, that's a bonus. And like with my yeah, comedy, because okay. I'm talking about. A, one of my routines is about my son and being transgender. I've had a lot of comments from people saying that they hadn't understood transgender issues uh, until they heard that. And that's fine, as long as they laughed first. <laughs> uh, because comedy is entertainment. And yeah. Mm. Yeah, you get people to laugh and without realising it, they've, they've accepted something or yeah. they've gone home and thought, hmm, I, why I was laughing at that? Why? Maybe I need to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you, we're sort of touching on really the role that it plays in the community, I suppose. Mm. But do you want to add anything to that? I, um, I think that <clears throat> you, it is possible to learn and grow and, and be educated through comedy and poetry. But I think the main value they give is that people can relax and enjoy themselves and have that lift, step out of their own worries and just be entertained mm, or, or mm. moved or something. Just to, that that's all I ask from it, is yeah. to improve someone else's day momentarily. Mm, mm. Great philosophy. Mm. Yeah. Um, just a couple of quotes. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love you to read another poem in a minute. Yeah. But- Elizabeth Smither, she, mm-hmm. she said poetry is a way of being alive. I mean, do yep. you agree with that? And, and comedy? Being seen, being heard. I mean, I, I've met some people with fantastic sense of, senses of humour that can sort of crack one-liners around the, one-liners around the office all day yep. long. And they'll never, they'll never go on, on a stage. No. But it's just, they, they, um, laughter can be such a wonderful emollient can't it mm. you know, it, it just breaks opens doors and 
breaks uh, down yeah. barriers. Um, uh, some people have things, got it. it um, it's like yawning. Um, you can't give a genuine laugh if you're stressed. So if you're laughing genuinely, your body starts to relax because laughter is the antithesis of stress. Mm. And the same with um, yawning. You can't yawn genuinely when you're stressed. But if you're stressed, you can start fake yawning and it will relax you. So laughter is one of the best medicines. Yeah. Because relaxation is one of the best medicines. Yeah, what is laughter releases? Um, endorphins. Endorphins. Yes. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, you give us some more poems. Okay, and... I've talked a little bit about my son, and I wrote a poem for him, and let's just hope that I can get through this without crying, because mm. sometimes I do. Um, it's called Not Expecting You. I often joke, you know I do, that I was not expecting you. My freedom's lost, my feeling blue, not good enough for loving you. Midwives, nurses, doctors too said, it's a girl, as if they knew. Girls chose pink and rainbow hues, you said always, but I like blue. Hard work that kid, they said of you, a dull child for me would never do. Your loyalty was something new, a wholly unexpected view. My pride in you could pierce me through, man. I was not expecting you. Mm. Oh, that's a lovely, it's a beautiful poem. Mm. Um, a mum to a son, it's lovely. Thanks mm. for sharing, Karen. Cute. Um, that's, a, that's a good example of, of um, something that an audience, everyone in the room can yeah. get that, right, and, mm. and feel it and relate it to their own in certain relationships ways. in many ways yeah. yes yeah. most of them won't won't be getting the um girls like pink and you liked blue bit but <laughs> no but children surprise you uh, yeah yeah they you've just got to love them for who they are not what you were expecting yeah well yeah, there's still a lot of um stereotypical fashioning going on out there of course mm. yeah um well, look, give us another poem if you've got one handy. We've yeah. got about five, five minutes, actually. I've got, yep. I've got another question. Yep. Do you want me to sling it at you now? Yes, please. Um, so there's this famous music writer, Greil Marcus, who mm-hmm. once said that real artists know things that other people don't. <laughs> uh, he slightly retracted it later when he copped a lot of heat, heat yeah. for it. <laughs> But what do you? How do you react to that? Like, uh, 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 are poets and comedians just really articulating what we all really feel inside, or do you think sometimes there are insights? I think if you, I think it's a bit like the story of the um, blind pig. A blind pig will accidentally find acorns, and a, a broken clock is right twice a day. It's one of those things, if you say mm. enough, it, it might resonate, it might be a unique way. But quite often, I think, all the lessons that we learn, it's not just a matter of hearing the right thing, it's hearing it from the right voice at the right time to hear it. Mm. So the fact that, you know, like I said right at the beginning, my early poetry I feel now is very pretentious and overblown and it's not how I feel now um, 
but it was right at the time and people are still saying how much it resonates with them because they're at that point in their life where they need to hear that thing at that time. Mm, mm. Uh, It's why we don't just have one self-help book. We have thousands of self-help books because you need to hear it in the right voice at the right time. Yeah, okay. Do you have any recordings? Do you, do you, how do you archive your work? Do you, do you, um, I'm, or written down? Or? It's all in notebooks. Mm. Um, anything that I've read out has been written down first. Oh, I have a poem on that. We can, we can, we've got another couple of minutes left, so yep. you can... Um, I'll do that one, and then I would like to do what I think is probably my, my favourite poem. Okay. Um, it's one that... I'm just flicking backwards and forwards and trying to find the... Nope, that's not it. Not there, not there, not there. Is it earlier? It must be later than that. Ah, here we go. It's called The Words Must Flow. Okay. I key the words with frantic haste. Tab, block, moves, enter, save, delete, delete, delete. Hacking to get it right. Processing bytes to lyric form. Then I write them out longhand for speaking aloud. I write them out in looping lines as a visual reminder that the words must flow. I write. I am a writer. The poem is an ink on paper. The poem is the ink on paper for interpretive reasons, for the vocal cue, and for the simple bloody fact that the printer met my coffee cup in a glorious protest at 3am of art against technology, and the words must flow. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Thank you. And um, you've got one more. Yep. And so uh, can they, they can see you at the common room. Yep. They can see yep. you where else? Uh, you can see me at the uh, open mic comedy show at the Cabana on the second Wednesday of every month now. Mm. There's been a day change for that. Uh, we also do open mic comedy the third week uh, the third Tuesday of the month at the Common Room, and then the last Tuesday of every month is always Common Poets. Uh, but you can always track me down through Facebook. Uh, mine is the Karen Leslie with the microphone in her face. The other one is probably my auntie who breeds dogs. Um, so take okay. from that with the, what you will, and Lovely. you can always get hold of us at Hawke's Bay Comedy on Facebook. Okay, Karen. <laughs> And uh, uh, if you're okay with it, I'll finish off with uh, Sir Montague and the Bull, one of the love poems to a car I had. Sir Montague the minuscule, my magical mini and me, went questing round the island to find what we could see. We weren't in any hurry, just cruising round the place. Sir Monty tends to shake a bit whenever you push the pace. We started north, then headed east, then west with some odd turns. We saw the sea, we saw the hills, we saw a lot of ferns. I had coffee in a flask, which didn't stay there long, and meant I got quite a few close-up views of fronds. We were heading out of Bennydale, at a leisurely 90k, with no thought or worry for what lay in our way. When there he stood before us, a huge great slab of beast, black hide, red eyes and temper, a problem to say the least. Sir Monty growled in his pistons. He's been in fights before. He's got dents on both his bumpers, on his roof and on his door. He wasn't scared of any bull. He'd meet it head to head. I couldn't help but reckon it's a shame that Monty's red. 
I huddled behind the steering wheel, a damsel in distress. The bull looked mean and pawed the ground. I knew we were in a mess. So Monty started forward. The bull began its charge, and I cursed the wretched farmer who'd left the beast at large. I closed my eyes and held on tight. Let Monty do the work. He's got me out of countless scrapes. I knew he wouldn't shirk. A burst of speed, a jerk to the right, and I opened my eyes to find an open highway stretched ahead and the bull left far behind. No praise would he take, my hero, Sir Montague the Red. Just step on the gas and grip that wheel. More adventure lies ahead. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, a love poem to a car. Yep. Karen, listen, thank you very much. It's been a delight today. Thank you for having me. Thank you, listeners. We'll see you soon. <laughs> This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.